Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking downtown fentanyl markets, Oregon's roadkill laws, our upcoming summer music festivals, and more. Mira Powell, higher education reporter for Oregon Public Broadcasting, is joining us for a weekly news roundup, along with Brian M. Vance, director of newsletters for CityCast. It's Friday, March 31st. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Brian, Mira, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited that you're both here. Yes, excited. Thank you for having us. I feel like this is yet another OPB reunion. Um, But before we normally jump into the uh, week's headlines, I like to ask a question just so people who are not familiar with either of you kind of know who's in the room. And this week's question comes because I recently went to City Hall for a meeting and I met with uh, an aide of one of the commissioners. And this aide was wearing a Slytherin sweater, which was bold, you know, but (laughs) and for those of you confused, that's one of like the Hogwarts houses of Harry Potter. But it also made me think like, okay, if we had to sort everyone on the city council into Hogwarts houses, where would they go? And I'm, I'm talking about like Mayor Ted Wheeler, Commissioner Renee Gonzalez, Commissioner Carmen Rubio, Commissioner Mingus Maps, and then Commissioner Dan Ryan. But let's start with Ted Wheeler. And before I start, for those who are just like, I didn't watch Hogwarts House or like, I'm not a nerd. uh, (laughs) Let me bring you down to our level. The Hogwarts houses are Gryffindor, which, you know, I mean, I don't know, guys, like, how would you explain a Gryffindor? It's the house of Harry Potter. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's his like what brave, like courageous. Yeah, Yeah. uh, but the the downside would be like could be reckless, just a little bit. Incredibly reckless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a white savior complex to it. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Oh my god, that's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, and like in school, they might be the jock. You know, they could be a jock, and then Hufflepuff, which would I think is like super nice. You know, everyone's yeah. like, he's a nice guy. She's a nice guy. But hard work, patient, loyal would be the stoners of the high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I like that you're using <laughs> high school clicks. So I'm like, OK, you all went to high school or seen <laughs> cliche high school movies. Hang with us. So then there's uh, Ravenclaw. How would you describe Ravenclaw, Mira? Uh, I'd say they're like really smart, determined, like kind of bookish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they'd also be like eccentric, you know. And then there's Slytherin, which is... <laughs> the bullies. The bu- well, I feel like they were given a bad rap because Lord Voldemort was, was a Slytherin, which is like the worst guy yeah. ever. Like basically the devil was a Slytherin. Um, <laughs> but also Harry Potter was almost a Slytherin. Um, That's true. And they're ambitious. They're cunning, resourceful. I feel like no matter what, every politician is already a Slytherin. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and I feel like they Slytherin would be like the legacy kids in any college. Yes, 100%. They feel like Harvard legacies. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're all we're all on the same level of these Hogwarts houses. So let's go Mayor Ted Wheeler. What are we feeling? I feel like you've ruined my plan, Claudia, of just calling everyone Slytherin. Um <laughs> I agree. Should we just move on? Or are we just going to be all like, all right, they're all Slytherin? <laughs> no, no. I think I think there's a case to be made for a few of them to be something else. But I do think Ted is Slytherin, but not elite level Slytherin. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like he has a Slytherin upbringing with a Hufflepuff heart. <laughs> and I think that's why he frustrates people. Because he want, at one point, he wanted to please everyone. I'm just so talking about that part. This is part. amazing. I just, it's like Slytherin Sun, Hufflepuff Rising. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Slytherin Sun, Hufflepuff Rising. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, I don't know. No, I think, you're, I think, I yeah, he's saying. got, he's got some tendencies of a Hufflepuff. All right. Commissioner Rene Gonzalez, who does our safety. I think a lot of people just sort of dump him and like, oh, he's really pro cop. But, you know, he does other these other things. I think based off like some of the qualities of Slytherin, Slytherin, because he is very like, you know, look, you look at the way he got elected. He was very smart in who he aligned with in the allegiances mm -hmm. he formed in what he said and what he didn't say. I think mm -hmm. he's very shrewd and strategic and, you know, he can be tough. And mm -hmm. that's a Slytherin. Mm -hmm. What about you, Mira? Listen, I'm sticking with my guns for every Slytherin. <laughs> Just so, nonstop Slytherin listen. all the yeah. way down. Okay. <laughs> Commissioner Carmen Rubio. This was hard for me. I don't know a ton about Carmen Rubio, but what I have heard is she does seem a little bit like a Ravenclaw. Like she's, mm. she's pretty smart. She knows her stuff. She's very warm and friendly, but not necessarily like out there to make friends with everyone. Is she like water or overseas community and economic development services oh. which includes the portland housing bureau the bureau of development service the bureau of planning and sustainability and prosper portland oh okay and mira still slytherin you know what <laughs> you're you're Mira's uh, brutal you're swaying me i could i could divert from my slytherin track a little bit here i also don't know a ton about her but weighing the bureaus, like what I've heard about her and how she interacts with people, I do agree that she seems maybe a little less Slytherin than, than the others do. Okay. And now we're going to Commissioner Mingus Maps, who is a former political science teacher, and he oversees... Transportation, right? He oversees transpo. That's what I talked yeah. to him about. I'm torn between like a Hufflepuff and a Gryffindor. Mm. Like... I'm like, I can see qualities of both those. Like, obviously, he's highly intelligent. Like, he literally taught politics to people before mm, he got mm -hmm. into politics. Mm -hmm. um, but he also, you know, he's a little a little jockish uh, in mm. a good way, not a bad way. But like, you know, he was a big time bike commuter before he mm -hmm. before he got a job where he, you know, has to be downtown all the time. What about you, Mira? Well, hearing that he was a professor, that just like makes me think Ravenclaw because it just seems very, I feel like all professors are Ravenclaw. Yeah. <laughs> but the biking thing and also just, yeah, Bureau of, of Transport, you know, Peabot, alternative transportation does make me feel a little Gryffindor, a little jockish too. Yeah, you'd ride a broom. Um, so yes, my initial thought is, yes, you, yeah, right, right on a broom. You totally ride a broom. Alternative <laughs> transportation. Okay. So I think the way you think of Ted Wheeler as a Slytherin, I think of Mingus Maps as a Gryffindor. Mm. So Gryffindor I would say Gryffindor light. Rising, Gryffindor but oh, okay. but Hufflepuff like you know Sun. Okay, like he is. I I spoke okay. to the man straight up Hufflepuff for me. You actually changed my mind, Brian. I was like, oh, is he Gryffindor? And I just didn't read that right. Yeah, there's just there's wow. there's like some tendencies there. <laughs> okay, my favorite here, Commissioner Dan Ryan. <laughs> Uh, I'm going back to my guns with Slytherin. Okay, Slytherin. Yeah. 
Slytherin. Slytherin. But also, yeah. if we're thinking about Puros, he has like doesn't he have like arts? Like yeah, all, yeah. And the DEI for some oh, reason. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And I and just to remind you, two bureau heads left because mm-hmm. of him very recently back to back. The DEI and what was the other one? Was it like some some obscure department? There's yeah, so many of them. But yes, there's been some you know some good some reporting turnover. about. Mm-hmm. About, you know, how he maybe isn't the easiest person to work for. So Exactly. Or he's like putting order in the house. We don't know, you know? Yeah, it's so no hard to tell. Much. Portland yeah. government is complex and even what leaks out, you know, and not very isn't always the... No, so <laughs> not transparent. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, guys. That was like the longest opening question, but I really wanted someone to play with me and no one on my team knows Harry Potter and Julia just made fun of me. That's our audio producer um, because she's like, you're such a millennial. And I'm like, whatever. It had its time, it did you know, its before time. J.K. Rowling came out as yeah, kind of a cringy person. It, yeah. It had its time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Brian, you have a headline for us that... I, to be honest, I didn't even dig in too deep because I really want to hear this story. I have been obsessed with this series that Willamette Week started late last year where they, every week they take an abandoned rundown building somewhere in Portland and they do a profile of it. They try to figure out who owns it, why it's sat empty, how much it's worth, and tell you the backstory of it. And there's been some really interesting stories that they've uncovered. What's really cool though, is it's actually making things happen in the city. So last week, They did a profile of Washington Center. It's a collection of buildings in downtown Portland. It's where the old key bank used to be. You may know it as the really rundown, grungy, graffiti, full of squatters and and drugs Mm -hmm. and everything building that's right off the Morrison Bridge on the west side. The key bank center, right? Yeah, there used to be a key bank there Um, and a bagel shop and a business school. And like, you know, it was it was a really prominent location. It's, it's, It's very central. Basically, since 2019, it's it's gone to shit. It's mm-hmm. it's really run down. Uh, it has recently turned into an open air fentanyl market. So people are literally standing there dealing fentanyl in broad daylight. And guys, um, just so you know, that's not legal in Portland. So if you're like, oh, is, is that not. legal? It is not legal in Portland to sell fentanyl. I it mean, is like wildly not legal. That. And and like it's a it's a safety issue. There are, you know, yeah. the building is really in terrible shape. What security efforts the the owners of the building took, they didn't really follow through with them. And so that's sort of what what this story unraveled was that it's owned by a very wealthy real estate family who who has a lot of land holdings in Portland, but also Dallas, Denver, Seattle, like all over the country. They are big time people and they have had beef with the city before in a very similar way. So back in 2010, they also got in trouble for not really taking care of the property uh, mm-hmm. They are a part of the the downtown Portland clean and safe district. So it's like a special district of the city of Portland where business owners pay dues to this organization who is then responsible for keeping the streets clean and providing security. They didn't want to pay back then. They got almost 60 grand in debt back then and got into like a really public political spat with with City Hall. Eventually it gets taken care of. But here we are again. They are tens of thousands of dollars behind on their dues to clean and safe while Clean and Safe is going out and trying to to secure this place, but the people who actually own it, who can actually do something about it, are basically just having a pissing match with, you know, our city politics right now. And it's it's just like such a symbol of when people talk about what's going on in Portland, it's that you get these these people who are really entrenched in taking a stand 
and making their point of view super clear, even if it doesn't make sense. It does yeah. not make sense for them to own this multi-million dollar chunk of prime real estate and let it go to shit. Yeah. When they could fix it up and sell it. Uh, well, like, what's the end game for them? I really don't know. I mean, so since that story came out, they started cleaning it up a little bit. Clean and Safe stepped in and did another cleaning without being paid, but but stepped in and cleaned it up. And what's really interesting is uh, the police have started to crack down on the area. So they've made a bunch of arrests of people who are dealing fentanyl. And then the most interesting wrinkle that I think came out of this is uh, Multnomah County is trying something really interesting with charging fentanyl dealers. Not only are they charging fentanyl dealers with like dealing drugs and distributing narcotics, they're charging them with trademark infringement. Uh, it's this really, yes, for it's fentanyl? This, huh? for fentanyl, because the way that, that, uh, narcotics manufacturers are marketing and making fentanyl is it is designed to look like oxycodone. Like mm -hmm. they are literally printing, you know, brand oh. name stamps on the pills and a prosecutor at Multnomah County figured out that like the M that is on a lot of the, the blue pills that are being sold in Portland around Washington center is actually a trademark of a, this is ironic, of a pharmaceutical company that Multnomah County sued for their role in the opioid epidemic. But now no. they are using their trademark to go after drug dealers, uh, including people who have been arrested for dealing in and around Washington Center. That is really interesting. Trademark law and copyright law are crazy, and it is weird how intense the punishments can be for violating that. I mean, some of these mm -hmm. people are facing like 10, 15 years just for that charge. And then you add on possession of, of you know, high amounts of fentanyl with intent to distribute. And you're looking at lengthy sentences that they're facing. No one's been convicted yet. No one's pled guilty yet. But there have been a handful of people charged with this. Mira, what are you thinking? That's just wild. That's all of this is wild. <laughs> so wild. There's so much happening. It is it is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like a circus down there. Yeah. It's crazy to me that the city, there's no way for the city just to take action and take the building. Eminent mm -hmm. domain. Yeah. But like, you know But it's it's not. It's like eminent domain is a thing. And and this is yeah. and I've seen a few people bring this up. Is like when Mayor Ted Wheeler ran the first time, he pledged that he would do anything possible to end homelessness within two years. Mm -hmm. Here is a building that Just he ready. could take that yeah. has previously been used. Part of it has previously been used as a homeless shelter mm -hmm. that you could take and rehab. And this is an example of something that he could do. And they would get paid because the way eminent domain works, you get paid a fair market value. But again, mm -hmm. this is where the family shot themselves in the foot. They've let the building get into such terrible condition. Fair market value isn't going to be a lot because mm -mm. the building is in god awful shape. Yeah. So, yeah. But it does come with free fentanyl. So. Free fentanyl. Uh, and some, some graffiti, you know, some yeah. cool street art. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, more headlines of the week. I want to share with you, I have like two very small, low-key news items that occurred this week. And you might have heard this, but uh, you know the Tomacaw Waterfront Park cherry blossom trees oh yeah they blossom every spring it's kind of an iconic thing that happens so you know i didn't know the full history of those cherry blossom trees and 
when I dug in, I real I didn't realize that there were like a hundred of them, and they were specifically a hundred, um, and they were supposed to represent the the Japanese people who were forced into internment camps in America, and there was over a hundred thousand of them. Just know that when you're looking at those like cherry blossom trees, which by the way, it's peak right now, so you should go check them out. It was a gift from Japan. It was uh, for the dedication of the Japanese American Historical Plaza in 1990, which is now like located in Old Town. But it was very significant and it's lined, it lines it all the way to that plaza. And it really is a, a Japanese reminder of what we did to their people in yeah. America. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just think that's the best. I think that's such a power move. That's all. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful exactly. way to get that message across. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's stunning. And it attracts people down there every year. People who hopefully stop and read the plaques and learn yeah. what it stands for. And great move on Japan's part. I know. I mean, to me, now that's a Slytherin move. Do you know what I mean? Like, that is coming. Yeah. That is peak. Amazing. They're playing chess. Like, 3D chess. Yes. Like, that's 3D chess yeah. right that there. That is 3D yeah. chess. So anyhow, go check out the cherry blossom trees. Um, (laughs) The other thing I wanted to mention just real quick was uh, back in 2017, Oregon lawmakers approved a permitting process to bring more structure to the Oregonians' consumption of deer and elk, right? This is from the Willamette Week, um, that were killed in collisions. So they thought this would also make it so people would stop doing it on purpose because if they don't have this permit, Mm. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. who's going to come to you and ask Who for this? Who is doing pr- it on purpose? Like, I, I, you know, yeah, you'd have to like have a deer and elk in the way, and like, <laughs> yeah, there's too many things. That, like, if you've ever seen a collision with an elk, like, it's terrible. You, it's also know. so much damage on your car, mm-hmm. and like, that's you know what you're like, mm, what a a ten thousand dollar you know strap, like <laughs> the back strap <laughs> of ten. It cost me ten thousand dollars. Worth it. But the thing is, this is the best part is because now since since 2017, they've been issuing these permits, they've noticed a drop. And I love that the uh, the department who does it, which is uh, the Oregon Fish and Wildlife, are just like, what's happening? Why aren't people why aren't people getting these permits? And they can't for the life of them figure out why Oregonians are eating less roadkill. (laughs) And that to me is also just like, where are we? Right. That this is a discussion, you know, yeah. but 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 I I dug deep and I was like, OK, well, what are people eating? And of course, number one, like hundreds is is elk and deer. And mm. then the second is like road vermin, you know, just like the smaller game. So in my head, I'm like, I guess like bunnies, squirrels and raccoons and Ew. possums. I don't know. But OK, but here's the other one. And I don't think they're eating, but this is like roadkill. And I couldn't believe it was third. Bears. What? Who's out here? Yes. What? Who hits a bear? That's what. I, that's mostly what I'm wondering. What? <laughs> like, how are they getting on the... Who's just like, oh, I missed that bear. <laughs> they're so big. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just so you know, they're like, it's it, it gets lower in number. I mean, it's third, but by then it's like, oh, you're hitting it's 30 bears. It's way down, down there. But yeah, it's not like hundreds. It's a lot of bears. But even so, one bear here. Yeah, seems I know. <laughs> like, who... <laughs> Where what? are all of the, where is, where is this? That bears are just hanging out in the road. Well, here's another one where I was like, how is this happening? In the list too was bald eagles. And there was like more than one that have been hit. And you're nodding your head, Brian. I don't understand how that's happening. Because they fly, Birds. they're in the air. Yeah. There's a, there's a raptor center south of Eugene. 
basically they take in injured birds from all over the country. And a lot of the birds there, including some eagles, are there because they they got hit by cars. It's mm-hmm. it's sad. It's, you know, they move so fast when they're flying that they may be swooping down and not see mm. the car and they oh. just get, they get hit. And I'm assuming it's also like the, I'm, I'm thinking it's like the really tall, you know, um, commerce vehicles, like the 10, mm. you know, wheelers and stuff. Be, yeah. 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 OK, well, just heads up. Um, you need a, you still need a permit to eat roadkill. That's all. Don't forget. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, Mira. <laughs> you just ruined my dinner plans. Oh. <laughs> You're like, like driving in thing my... now. I gotta wait my line. Now I have to fill out paperwork. Like, this is, <laughs> yeah. no. Uh, you're like, ah, I'm just gonna eat Italian tonight. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mira, what is your, what is your news item for the week? Yeah. Um, well, just recently, earlier this week, I think, or maybe it was over the weekend, um, Pickathon announced their lineup for this year. If you get a chance, um, you should okay. go. It's wonderful. Where is it? Like, where is it, it located? It's in Happy farm. Valley. Yeah, it's on a farm oh, called okay. Pendarvis Farm uh, in Happy Valley. But it's fairly beautiful. It's like all forested. You're. It's a camping festival. So you're camping mm. out in the woods. That's why I haven't um, gone. Okay. Well, see, I hate festivals. Um, but I love this festival. Okay. So, Why do you, what is so special about Pickathon? It's just like the setting. The only other like camping festival I've been to was Sasquatch. And you're like in the gorge, it's dusty, it's windy. It's like, there's no shade. So you're just hot. But Pickathon, it's like, you're literally in the forest. You're like in the mm-hmm. trees. So you're like just like camping with your buds. And then you walk in, you go see some music and there's like stages kind of scattered throughout the forest. It's yeah, it's really and nice. And the stages are wild. The like stages they, are really they build, wild. Yeah, they basically build all of them each year, mm-hmm. um, and they are. It looks like something from a fantasy novel. Like it's really, really. Are they really different weird. designs every oh, year? Every stage is different. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, I know people get excited about it. Like, yeah. you know, what are you most excited to see at Pickathon this year, Mira? Uh, looking at the lineup, there's a lot of exciting things. I think. Kind of the joy of Pickathon is there's a lot of artists that people maybe have not heard of. And I feel like when I went, which was back in like 2016, that was some of the fun. It was just like wandering around to bands that you just don't know. And then you find something wonderful. Um, but this year, it looks like the like, I wouldn't, I don't even know if I'd call them headliners, but kind of like the biggest names in the lineup are this uh kind of Americana folk duo called Watch House, which I'm not familiar with, um, but I guess people are excited about. Uh, I'm not up on my Americana and folk, but um, (laughs) people seem to be really excited about them. And then Lee Fields, who is this like amazing soul singer. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are kind of the the bigger names. But you can find some really cool... Really oh, cool for sure. There. For yeah. sure. I'm looking at it and it is a lot of like guitars and stuff like that. Um, and I, the only band I recognize are the Shivas. And I love the oh, Shivas. Oh, yeah. The Portland. Portland band. Yeah, yeah. Por- because Classic. they're from Portland. Yeah. Because they're from Portland. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, other other bands playing this year that like I'm excited for if I was going, if anyone, you know, has an extra, extra free <laughs> ticket to pick it on. Um, <laughs> uh, there's this artist. Uh, named MJ Lenderman. He's like ha- put out a really great alternative album with like a little bit of country mixed mm. in, a little country twang, really good. Um, Say She She is this like women-led soul band. I think Ooh. they have like three vocalists. They're just like amazing. Witch is another one. Uh, they're this Zambian rock band from the 70s. Um, oh, wow. 
Yeah. So yeah, just like a really diverse lineup. But yeah, I mean, that's like kind of what Bigathon's all about. It's just yeah, like, you just go discover. You go discover new music. Yeah, listen to something you've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anything else, Mira, that you're like thinking about uh, hitting music wise this yeah. summer? And just so you know, Mira goes to a lot of shows. I'm an Insta- I'm a friend of hers online, and all of her stories are <laughs> we her know each other roller outside skate- of work. Yeah, yeah we're friends. <laughs> uh, um, all of her stories are of like her roller skating because she's a really good roller skater, but not like oh, just thanks. like we around like she's doing tricks and stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> that is what i say <laughs> uh, so it's all like roller skating you riding your bike an immense amount of miles like too many miles honestly mira <laughs> and then uh you going to shows so if, if mira is gonna like tell you to go some to something just know that she has a lot of experience wow um, thanks wow yeah. <laughs> uh I guess the other thing that I'm I'm excited for this summer is uh, there's a really great lineup for the Pioneer Courthouse Square shows. I love um, the Pioneer Courthouse Square shows. Yeah, like what, yeah. What's coming up that you're really excited about? Uh, well, they have like I mean they're kind of the opposite of Pickathon. They have some pretty big names. Um, I think this is the second year that they're doing these shows, and I think we have like Descendants are coming, Mountain Goats, Ooh. Flaming Lips. I think Tegan and Sarah. Um, so a lot. Fleet Foxes, I think. Tons. Um, the ones that I'm definitely going to, um, Alex G is one of my favorite artists. What's does, Alex like, G about? He, I would say, has some of the most interesting songwriting in indie music right now to mm-hmm. me. There's also Japanese Breakfast, my hometown hero, because she's from Eugene as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Biba Doobie, who is this like indie artist uh, originally from the Philippines. And uh, so represent that as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just like a really kind of banger of a lineup from them. How, how much are the courthouse shows? Uh, how much do they cost usually? They range. Uh, I think some of the smaller artists, like so like Alex G, maybe Biba Doobie are like 35 bucks, which is still like on the higher end for me as someone yeah. who likes to go to like very cheap shows um and then i want to say the bigger ones like flaming lips probably like 60 bucks mm-hmm. so there's a range for those who are just like oh it's still too much let me let me give you a tip because i've done this because I've, I've lived here for a little bit so this is an open air area you can perfectly you can hear. sit across from like the nordstrom you have your water bottle it doesn't have to have yeah, water in it <laughs> you're at the goddamn show <laughs> You're Maybe right if there's there. like a tall building around, yeah, you know, seeing the you little, can see know. you can see things. Or like, yeah. if you want to get fancy, go to one of the hotels around there. Go to their That's top, the roof. Like, go to their happy hour. You're getting a free show. I'm just gonna go stand outside arenas now. Just popcorn, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, I'm having a good time. I can hear the matters. music. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Brian, Mira, thank you so much for uh, spending your morning with me. I love talking to you guys. Um, Love to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Our lead producer is John Notariani. Our audio producer is Julia Fiaioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, And our host is me, Claudia Meza. A special thank you to CityCast producer Lizzie Goldsmith for all her help with production this week. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. Slim's.